Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We are here on a Youth Takeover Sunday. It's my favorite Sundays, um, especially the three-day weekend, Memorial Day. I promise we didn't even plan this out when we were talking about freedom, but it's all about freedom today. It is all about freedom, and it just happened to work out that way. It's always a privilege to be able to take the stage like this. Um, I, I always appreciate Pastor Sean and you all for putting up with me and letting me um, have the privilege to speak and teach. It's, it's definitely a privilege that I do not take lightheartedly, and I am excited. I'm excited for this opportunity. Um, I just want to open in prayer, if that's okay. Uh, I hope the, the Lord speaks through me this morning and just speaks to someone in this room, because if it's just one person, I know I'll be doing what God has told me to do. So let's pray. God, we just invite you into this room this morning. I invite you into my, my words, everything that comes out of my mouth, God, all of my, my teaching, my scripture, God, that you are just speaking through your words and speaking through me as a vessel. I pray that we have open hearts and open minds this morning and that we can just come away with one, one little thing to apply in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is officially summertime. Um, it's officially summertime. Is anyone else with me where it's like they're excited to wear Hawaiian shirts and flip-flops, but also they wonder if they should be moving back east like everybody else? Like, am I just alone in that? It's like every single summer I wonder... Why do we live here? Why is anything here? Why do we build anything in this valley? It's, it's ridiculous. There's a lot of different places that we could be living, and we choose here. So that is exciting. But this is how we kicked off the summer as a youth group. As you guys know, we probably, as you probably know, we have a summer kickoff every year. It's a little tradition of ours. This is our group. Um, it's kind of fun to do like a little spot the who's who. Uh, because we are covered in shaving cream. That is shaving cream. And then, so we took this picture, and then I thought, you know what, our band, the youth, well, little side project band of our Death's Pencil, we need a cover photo. So we took a cover photo for our band. Um, We have some additional members that are in there, some spot members, some guest members, but we thought we looked pretty cool, pretty cool. So that's how we started off our summer as a youth group, and we are excited. It is summertime. We've been working through the book of Galatians this last, almost a month now, a little over a month, um, and I landed on chapter 5, so I get to talk through chapter 5, and I'm going to give you a heads up. If you don't have a Bible, I need you to whip out your smartphone and take out the Bible app. If you don't have a Bible app, what are you doing? It's 2022, everyone in this room should have a Bible app. I do have it on the screen, but it's a lot of Bible, okay? Is everyone okay with that? Anyone okay with a lot of verses? Okay, good, because we've got a lot of Bible. We're talking about freedom on this Memorial Day weekend. Not intentionally, but it is about freedom, so it kind of works. Um, and I wanted to define freedom. I wanted to figure out what freedom looks like to us. Is, is freedom what we have here in America? Is freedom the, just the air that we breathe here in this country alone? Is it what is dispensed by those F-35s that we hear rumbling overhead every day. The freedom dispensers? You guys know what I'm talking about? Um, 
Or is it the ability to say and do what we want, what we please whenever we want to? Uh, I looked up in Oxford, describes freedom as, and I thought it was pretty accurate, the power to write, or power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. The ability to do you. I'm going to do me. The mentality of, I can do whatever I want. I have the freedom. No one's going to stop me. I could say, I could think, I could do, I can act whatever way I want. That is freedom at its core. And yeah, I guess we're all pretty free then, right? We could say we're all pretty free, especially in this room, this country. But the opposite of freedom is slavery, captivity, subjugation. And I've never experienced that in my, in my entire life. I've never experienced the not being able to express my mind, express my opinion, think a certain way, act a certain way. And I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to not be able to do that because that is something we have in this country. We have a freedom. And like we celebrate on tomorrow, um, the lives that were lost to pay for that freedom. But other countries and other people around the world do not have the same freedom. They're not as fortunate as, as I am or as we are in this country. I, did a, I was doing some research, and a poll of Americans say that 63% of Americans haven't left the country. So a majority of people in this room have not left the country. Um, a little less than that, maybe is about 50%, haven't gone to more than 10 states. And about 17% of Americans haven't even been on a plane. So it's pretty safe to say that a majority of this room doesn't know, at least we, we, don't, we haven't seen it with our own eyes, what's beyond our borders, what's in other countries, what other people are going through. But we're still free. We are still free. And we have a privilege. We have that privilege. We are also free in Christ. We've heard this before, right? We are free in Christ. We talked about it this morning in, our, in, in worship, in our prayer. We are free in Christ. We have a freedom. And I hear Christians talk about freedom and having freedom in Christ. And it goes along with grace and it goes along with faith. But it often comes back to, okay, well, how much can I get away with that without losing my salvation, right? Or how much can I do that's pushing the envelope, right? Or how, how much can I do morally that's in the gray area, right? Am I alone in that? Have you guys heard this before? It's, it's how much can I get away with? What is a sin? What's not a sin? Should I be doing this? Is, is this something that I have to do weekly, daily? What does it mean to be free in Christ? And what does it look like for us in this room right now as Christians? Well, I, that is what we're covering this morning. So I hope everyone learns a little something. I'm so excited to get into it. We're starting in Galatians 5, verse 1, right at the top there. Galatians 1. And this is where Paul kind of opens this chapter, and then he splits it up into these three groups that we're going to be talking about. But this verse 1 is kind of separate from those three groups. Okay, so verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened against or again by a yoke of slavery. And uh, we talked about uh, the chapter right before this. We are the free, we are ch children of the free woman, right? Between Hagar and Sarah, we are the children of the free woman. And Paul's encouraging the readers of this letter to the Galatians and saying, do not fall back into the yoke of slavery, He's saying, which, which of the two yokes, which of the two loads that do you want to carry? Would you rather have the lighter load that you get when you, when you accept Christ in your life and you just let that grace come, grace upon grace? Or 
are you going to decide that you like a heavier yoke and live in the way that you want to live? He said, do not let yourselves fall back into that. And he said, if it's the case that you want the lighter yoke, if you want the lighter load, if you want to accept Christ, if you want the grace, then stand firm in that. And then he kind of switched gears here, right? So this is our first section, the goal of the gospel. If you're taking notes, the goal of the gospel. In verse 2 it starts, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be no value to you at all. So Paul's jumping right into it. He's going from freedom to circumcision. Right into it, right? We're not cutting any corners. We're not easing into it. He's saying, with authority, I, Paul, don't, be, don't get circumcised. Don't let it happen. But we've got to put ourselves in Paul's shoes, right? There's a cultural thing going on here. He's speaking to a group of Gentiles and Jews alike in the church, or, uh, to the Galatians, a number of which were considering being circumcised or getting circumcised because that was the, the way that you do it, right? If you're going to live by the law, that is what you do. When you become a Christian, that's the Jewish way to do it. The Judaizers were saying you have to be circumcised to receive, to get closer to God, okay? Are we on the same page here? Um, but why would they need to get circumcised? Because, well, that's the law, right? We, we talked about that. Um, they were trying desperately to follow the steps. They were trying to get to God by following the rules that were set in Levitical times. And Paul expands on this in the next verse, right? So 3 and 4, we're moving on here. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be, be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen out of grace. You have fallen away from grace. And I know I've been guilty of trying to be a good Christian for the wrong reasons. One thousand percent. I, uh, not so much to the point where I've been thinking about taking a scalpel to the nether regions, but I have been guilty of doing a lot of other things. I've been judgmental. I've tried to save people out of a holier-than-thou perspective, and that's not what we're talking about here. Paul is saying to do that just because the law says so, you're not going to get anything out of it, right? And I know I'm not alone in dancing that line between the grace, right, faith by grace, and also that legalistic point of view. But what does Paul mean when he says to be alienated from Christ, to fall away from grace? Because that's, that's a big thing, right? To be alienated from Christ, to be separate from Christ? Is that what he's saying? To fall away from grace? Well, by living in the law and by the law, we completely disregard what Christ did on the cross. By saying, I'm going to live my life by these rules because Leviticus told me to, we're disregarding what Christ did for us on the cross. We're hoping that what we do will save us, not who has saved us will save us. We have fallen out of the realm that grace operates. You guys see what I'm saying? If we're saying that I'm going to be able to, to get to heaven by my own merit, I'm just going to be a good Christian, the, the, the ways on the, the checks and balances, the more good things I do, that's not what God cares about. It's the grace. And when we say, I'm going to put that on myself, I'm going to take the heavier yoke, then Paul is saying that we are choosing to obey every law, making it harder on ourselves. And are any of us going to get there by our own merit? No. We have fall, we've taken ourselves away from the, the realm that grace operates. 
Paul's saying to the Galatians that whoever puts law above grace, the bond between them and Christ is severed. And that applies to us today. Right after this verse, however, we get into the clearest example of uh, justification by faith in verse 5. And I know that's kind of a big word, right? But we're going to go through this together. Stick with me. Verse 5, for through the Spirit we are eagerly, eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. The righteousness he's referring to is not only in the past when we accept Christ. Okay? We've, the people that have, who have accepted Christ, we know that moment. Right? We know the moment we've said, we've said God, I, wanna, I want you to live in my heart. Maybe it was when we were eight years old. Maybe it was yesterday. Right? We know that moment. And it's not the righteousness that we have when we live continually by faith, when we are accepting the grace of God every day, but a renewed one that is yet to come. You guys see what I'm saying here? Paul is saying, and this is for the note takers in here, we have been saved. We are being saved, and we will be saved. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. It's yet to come. And then moving forward here, Paul sets up the last kind of section of this, this chapter. And this is a big one here. Kind of comes out of left field. For in Christ Jesus, verse 6, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Where'd that come from? So I like, before we get to the through love part, Paul takes a stab at the Jews that are like reading this and like, yeah, you're right, Paul. They can't just get to heaven because they're circumcised. You have to be one of us. You have to be, the, you have to be Jewish. You have to be born circumcised. You have to be, right, you have to be part of this, this uh, inner circle. And Paul's like, no, circumcised or uncircumcised. It doesn't mean anything through Christ, right? It doesn't mean anything in Christ. Paul says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And so here's where I want to kind of lay it out for us, the rest of this message, is how, I want you to start thinking, how is your faith expressing itself? How is your faith expressing itself? Is it through judgment? If I ask your closest friend, if I ask your inner circle of people, how does that, how do you see that this person expresses their faith? Would they say, is it judgment? Well, that's not really a good way to express your faith. Is it through gossip? Well, that's no way to express your faith. Is it through selflessness? That would be a good one to hear. Is it through service? Right? Is it through love? Because that's the goal. We want others to notice that we are expressing our faith through love. So Paul continues this, this thought. And he, he, this is our second section here, okay? So where Paul gets a little personal with it. And he starts to talk about coercion that is going on in, in the, the people that he's writing to. An influence that may be happening. And this applies to us just as much today. He says uh, in verses 7 and 9, he says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. In the Greek there, it is clearly referring to God. Right? That's the only time they use that, is the one who calls you. That's, that's God. And then in quotes, it says, A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And uh, I was really, I was struggling to figure out what this um, analogy meant. Uh, I was looking up through a couple different um, translations and Blue Letter Bible. Anyone use Blue Letter Bible out there? It's a good one. 
And uh, there was a couple of them that were very culturally relevant. And I'm sure that has something to do with it. But the, the best interpretation of this saying that I felt, and maybe you guys got it right away. I know it went right over my head at first. But when there's a little bit of an influence, when there's a little bit of gossip, when there's a little bit of a, hey, actually, you should be doing this instead because that grace isn't going to help you, that spreads throughout the whole person. That doesn't just come in one ear and go out the other. That spreads through the whole person. And not only that, that spreads through the whole community. It spreads through the whole church. When someone comes in through our doors and starts saying, you know, Allie, Allie's been, Allie's been this and that, it spreads. A little bit of yeast spreads through the whole batch of dough. Has anyone had some of the Miglio sourdough lately? It's more like the Ava, it's more like the Ava Miglio sourdough. If you've had a batch, you know. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I got to say, it is dangerous to come home to a house that smells like fresh baked bread. So dangerous. The sad part is, is that now she starts baking so much of it that she gives it away immediately. There's none for us anymore. At first it was just for us, and now it's like, oh, there's three. Oh, they're already sold, basically. We can't even get a bite anymore. But Ava, you know how yeast works, right? It spreads. It does. Um, and so I thought that was so cool, right? Like Paul uses this illustration, and that's a, that's a known saying, right? So the Lord and Paul working together here to, know, to give us this analogy that works. Even today, we use yeast, and we know that that spreads, right? So in verse 10, he goes on. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Verse 11. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. So Paul here is saying that whoever is influencing the church, like the churches that he's writing to here, the Galatians, whoever's saying, now, there's a couple things that it could be. It could be leaders in the, um, the Jewish church. It could be the Judaizers that are saying, actually, you know, you have to follow these steps to be able to get close to God. It could be Satan whispering into those ears, saying, well, no, we have to, we have to do it the old way. This, this whole grace thing doesn't make sense. And whatever it is, whatever, whenever there's a whispering in our ears, when we don't let that yeast take hold and spread throughout us and spread throughout others, we don't have to worry about it. God's got that person, right? We don't need to take that into our own hands. That applies to us just as much today. When we have, a, a go- when we have gossip, when we have bad-mouthing, when we have all these things that may, we may be hearing, we don't, have to, we don't have to get involved with that because God has got it covered, right? They will pay their, their dues. Um, in verse 11, I'm going back here a little bit, he's saying that he's not preaching circumcision anymore. He may have in the past, right? Because Paul, we, as we know, he was persecuting other Christians, right? So he may have been preaching he may have been teaching that you must be circumcised at one point but he's saying that is not the case anymore right i've changed i've seen what this whole grace thing is about and this is the way to do it so he's reaffirming he's reassuring the galatians that they have it wrong and then he talks about this thing that's very heavy in pauline teaching right all of paul's um, writing he talks about um, the offense to the cross And the offense of the cross is a stumbling block, right? The stumbling block, the snare, the trap that we are placing 
In this case, Paul's saying circumcision, right? So we take this, this idea of circumcision to get to the cross. It's like we're taking this block, like a hurdle, and we're placing it in front of the cross, right, where we can get grace. We can get grace, as much grace as we want, as much grace as God will give us. But the offense of um, circumcision, we're putting there ourselves, right? And so Paul is saying, again, the offense of the cross, that snare, that hurdle that we have to put in our past, it's abolished. We don't have to worry about it. It's not required. So he's, he's nailing these points home, right? And then, this verse is a little, it's a little much, but we're going to read it together, okay? In verse 12, and then we have our last point that, that Paul kind of makes. But in verse 12, he says, For those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. It's kind of a lot. But I'm not going to skip verses just because it talks about that, right? He's saying, Paul's saying, if you're going to be down there, you might as well go the whole way. And in the context of what Paul's saying, he's not being crude. He's pointing out the absurdity of it. Right? He's pointing out the absurdity of if you're going to mar your flesh to get to God, you don't understand. You might as well just do it anyway, right? It's, it doesn't matter whether you do it or not. Whether you go the whole way or you do this or whatever, it doesn't matter. Not at all. And so I thought I'd throw that in there. It's very interesting. Um, it is very interesting. Thank you, Paul. Um, but now we've got kind of our, our closing statement, our last third of our, our verses that we have here today. Um, and it's talking about freedom. It's talking about freedom. It's, he's driving home this point of freedom. And it's, it doesn't come from our actions. It comes from grace, right? And once we, we've got that we're supposed to express our faith in love, we start to see what Paul's really trying to say. In the true use, the true use of our freedom, the freedom that we have, what are we supposed to do with it? That's what Paul's going to tell us right now. In verse 13, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. It seems pretty obvious, right? It seems pretty obvious that we have this freedom. We're not supposed to go and do what we want. We're not supposed to go and indulge ourselves because we have the freedom. We're supposed to want to go and serve each other humbly in love. And love there, the Greek is agape, right? The brotherly love, not um, the God-to-people uh, to love, but it's brotherly love. It's, it's the love feast that they talk about all throughout the New Testament. And even though we're called to be free, to use our freedom, everyone in this room has the same freedom. And we think a lot, a lot of that is thanks to our country. Everyone in this room has the same freedom. But to use that freedom, to use that freedom in Christ, that we know we are saved, what does that say about how we view the cross? What does that say about how we view the price that was paid? It's doing a disservice for the Son of Man who was killed for us. Don't you think? If we're not using our freedom to help and love others, when that's exactly what was done for us, what's the point of the freedom? What's the point of the freedom? It's like, you know those home makeover shows, like HGTV? They used to have them a lot more when they would, they would come in and they'd say, what, what would your dream house look like? What would it be like? You'd have a game room. You'd have a family room. All the kids would have their own rooms decorated a certain way. And maybe we'd have a brand new pool, right? All new paint. Most of the time they would come in 
and they would like what they've done with the place. A couple times they were like, this is terrible. What have you done with my house? But we won't talk about that one. And they come back and they move the truck and they see their house and it's painted and it's all brand new. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's exactly what I wanted. It's brand new. It's, it's flawless. It's perfect. It's exactly what I had envisioned. Even better. And then a week goes by, maybe another week, maybe a month. And you get a call from the same place. And they're like, hey, how do you like your house? Everything's still good? And you're like, I love it. Can't get enough of it. I can't believe this is my home. And then they say, okay, we're doing the same thing for a neighbor of yours right down the street. We're doing the same exact thing. We thought it would be cool if you could come in and help with the renovations. You could rent, we could help, you could help renovate, you could tear down walls with us. It would be awesome for the show, right? We could get you in on it, it would be great. And then you go and you hang up the phone, right? As soon as they're like, oh, you want something of me? I hang up the phone, right? We have that opportunity and then they're just sitting at home, right? They're sitting at home while, while other people are doing the work. Other people are doing the work. And they're, they're putting on this production, they're doing this, and the, the house gets made, but we're at home. And then all of a sudden we go, actually, I don't think I like the color of this wall. I think I'm just going to dump a bucket of paint on it. I think I'm going to take out this wall, I'm going I'm to tear down this thing. I don't like the, the fireplace where it is. That's exactly what renewal in Christ looks like. And when, God, when Jesus has died for our sins, we get that brand new house. Why aren't we shouting it from the rooftops? Why aren't we going to every house down the street and saying, hey, do you need to put in a new fan? I know how to do it, right? If we're, if we're home, if we're destroying what we do have, we're saying, actually, I, don't, I think I've, I'm good, actually. I'm good, I'm set. I know what I've got coming. I've got this house for many years. Nothing else is required of me. I'm set. But when we go and work, right, when we go and, and, and help other people, use the gifts that we were given, that's what we're called to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Shout out to Sean for, for that story. He definitely uh, helped me out with that one. Um, but in verse 14, we reach our climax to this entire point that Paul's trying to make, right? When he says, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. By loving one another, we are carrying out the, God, the law, that the way that God intended. We don't have to do these other things anymore. Just by loving each other, it's fulfilled. And that should be, that should be heavy. That should be, that should be uplifting, right? That we, all we have to do is love each other. Um, but before moving on, Paul also warns us in verse 15. He says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So if we are the people that are sitting at home in our brand new house, we're not doing anything, and instead we're actually talking to our neighbors and saying, hey, really, you should, you should get a new house, or maybe you should uh, replace this, or maybe let me just take out this wall for you. Or we're, we're gossiping, right? We're, we're bad-mouthing. We're, we're not living the way that God has called us to do. We're going to destroy each other. Not only will we hurt everyone else around us, ourselves, we will be destroyed, Right? In verses 16 through 18, this is our last chunk of scripture. I told you it's going to be a lot. I told you it's going to be a lot. 16 to 18, he concludes the use of freedom. And he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever, whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you will not be under the law. 
when we walk by the Spirit, when we strive to live the life that God has called us to do, we're living the way that he's called us to. We will not, we will not even be tempted to gratify our flesh, right? And that doesn't make sense to the world around us. It doesn't make sense because they don't have the Spirit. Our neighbors, they might not get it. Our friends, they might not get it. They might not understand the sacrifices we make, the morals that we have, because they don't have the Spirit. It might not make sense to your coworkers that you're not bad-mouthing the same person that everyone hates, right? That everyone, no one gets along with. It might not make sense that you're not participating in that. It might not make sense to your friends to go out and get drunk just because you don't have work in the morning. They might question that. What's going on? Why not? They don't have work. It might not make sense that you have the morals or ideals that you do. Because even though you have the freedom to do whatever you like, whatever you please, we will not choose to gratify the flesh. And even when we do fall, because we all fall, even when we do choose to gratify those desires, grace isn't something we can earn. Whether it be circumcision or any other legalistic ideal that we think we have to do to get grace, it just comes. We know that we can just receive it. It comes grace upon grace upon grace. Time and time again. But what are we doing with our freedom? That's what I want us to come away with here. What are we doing with our freedom in Christ? If you are saved, if you have a relationship with Christ, how are you expressing that in your life? I often get asked by my, my friends, my close friends, why I do what I do. And most of the time, uh, when we start talking about money, it comes up often, right? Because whether they've got a career already, whether they're making moves, it's like when it comes to me, it's like, well, you're choosing the life that you're choosing. So why, why complain about it? Why talk about saving when you're choosing to do what you're doing? You're choosing a life of ministry. And it doesn't seem to click with other people as much, especially at my age, right? Why am I not, why am I not doing something else? I could be doing anything. Um, and I say it's the only thing that makes sense to me. It's the only thing. It's what I was called to do. It's my purpose in life. There's no denying that. But they can't understand it fully. They just can't. From a young age, I've received the Spirit of God. And I've, I've done my best to walk by that day in and day out. Whether, it's, whether it was on uh, the football field or being an example to my siblings when they probably need it most. I lived by the Spirit. And so I knew that it was not foolishness. Does that make sense? 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are dis discerned only through the Spirit. I say this to say that the world may not get it. The world may not understand that we choose to deny ourselves things. The world may not understand that we have morals just for the sake of having morals. But I have the Spirit of God alive in my bones. And it seems like foolishness to my closest friends at times. And that's hard. I know I'm not alone in that. Especially with the, world, the way the world's going. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I choose a life of service over a life of self-indulgence any day. 
I know a lot of you would too. I'm going to invite the worship team on up. And as we're getting ready to close, I want us to take a second to look inside, right? To, to look within. With what we're doing with our freedom. What is it that we're doing with our freedom? How are we showing our faith? Are we showing our faith in love? If it's not in love, then what is it in? If, if you're showing your faith, it should be in love. And if it's not, then are you showing it at all? If we are free in Christ and we're not going around and sharing it and being free, what's the point of that freedom? It's not something, we know it's not something that we can unlock. We know it's not something that we earn through this ritual. It's not something that's dictated by the way that we've lived our life in the past. Your freedom is now. Your freedom in Christ is now. And for some of you, your freedom starts today. Do you want to continue to use your freedom to do what you would like to do? Or would you rather serve others in love and express your faith that way? Let's take a moment to to, to pray. Let's bow our heads and, and just invite God to speak to us. God, show us, show us something in our lives that we are expressing our faith in. And if it's something that's not glorifying you, if it's something that's not beneficial to those around us, I just pray against that right now, God. I pray that when we leave this, this building, when we leave these doors, that we are called to be better. We are called to to show our faith in love. Because when we love, we are fulfilling the the law the way that you wanted it to be. We know we can't earn it. We know it's not something that we get when when we live a certain way, but it's just an acceptance. And now that we have accepted that gift, I pray that you put it on our hearts to go and change the world with it. We thank you and we love you for this freedom that we have. We praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.